I'm Kate Morthland, and thank you for joining us on The Council Covers It, a podcast created by the Illinois Life and Health Insurance Council. Insurance is paramount to the health and wellness of Illinois employers, citizens, and families alike. While critical, the world of insurance can also be daunting and difficult to comprehend. We seek to create understanding by wading through that confusion presented with life and health insurance policies and topics in Illinois. Join us as we dive into some of the state's most pressing insurance issues on The Council Covers It. Hello and welcome to an incredibly special episode of The Council Covers It, a podcast dedicated to all things insurance, explained in a simple and digestible way. I am your host, Kate Morthland, and today, as I try to maintain composure, I have the incredible honor of speaking with the Illinois Department of Public Health's director, Dr. Ngazi Azike, on the importance of vaccination. So to introduce you properly, doctor, doctor is the director of the Illinois Department of Public Health, the first Black woman appointed to lead the 143-year-old state agency. Dr. Azike is the board-certified internist and pediatrician who previously worked for Cook County Health, the hospital and healthcare system addressing the needs of the residents of Cook County for more than 15 years. She was the medical director of the Cook County Juvenile Temporary Detention Center. Prior to joining Cook County Department of Public Health, Dr. Zike served as Austin Health Center Medical Director, where she actively engaged with the community on a variety of health initiatives. She also has delivered inpatient care at Stoger Hospital and primary and preventative care in community and school-based clinics. Dr. Azike is a nationally recognized expert in the area of healthcare within the juvenile detention and justice systems, a graduate of Harvard University and the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine. She is a certified correctional health professional and diplomat of both the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Pediatrics. She is also an assistant professor of pediatrics at Rush Medical College. She is the recipient of several honorary doctorates from Southern Illinois University, Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine and Science, and Knox College, with numerous awards, including the University of St. Francis Sister Claire of Assisi Award, the 2020 Excellence in Public Service Award from the Motorola Solutions Foundation, the Lester H. McKeevner Individual Service Award from the Chicago Urban League, and the Health Innovator Award from the Erie Family Health Center. On top of all of that, an advocate for maintaining work-life balance, particularly in challenging times, Dr. Zike is an avid tennis player and reader and is fluent in Spanish and French. Wow, (laughs) doctor, that is incredibly impressive. How are you today? Thank you for joining us. I am so happy to be with you. I'm doing well, thank you. Perfect. So. Just to introduce the topic a little bit, Dr. Zike, I cannot begin to understand what a monumental critical role you serve in Illinois. I remember last winter when I was postpartum, I would listen to you with my new family religiously every day at 3.30 in the afternoon um, to learn how the state was handling COVID and what Illinoisians could do to protect themselves. You were truly our North Star in 
having our family get information and assess the risk to protect ourselves from this virus. There are many days that felt dark, hopeless, and really unending. Also, I remember the day that you mentioned that vaccines were coming, the day that you received your vaccines, and the day where vaccines were approved for teens and then children, and I'm holding my breath for younger kiddos to come like mine. The days lifted a lot of weight off of families and a lot of anxiety off of our chest. In those days and in coming days, if more people are becoming vaccinated, that hope and that optimism will gain speed. And for that, I can't begin to thank you for your leadership and your sacrifice that you gave and continue to give to the state. But for our first question, let's back up beyond what you're doing for the state. You have degrees on degrees. You have been a professor. You have been an internist. You have been a pediatrician. But on top of that impressive career, you are a mother and a wife. So my first question to you, kind of outside of the COVID world, since you are a role model to women and mothers everywhere, and as a prominent female leader, how do you balance your work responsibilities and home life? And what advice do you have for women in leadership today trying to navigate careers and families in the pandemic? Yeah, well, thank you for all those kind words and congratulations on your- um, I, you know, I continue to tell people that, you know, take it from what you hear when you get on the plane, getting ready to take off, where they say, you know, in the unlikely event of a change in cabin pressure, secure your own ma- oxygen mask uh, before <laughs> others. So that really speaks to how much we need to care for ourselves. Even as the leader, you have to make sure that you take care of yourself. You you can only give out of, you know, out of what you have. Mm-hmm. And so being able to you know, balance the multiple priorities does not mean you ignore your own needs. And so for different people, that means different things. I know for some people uh, that's gratitude journals, Uh, for some people that's quiet time, meditation, exercise, whatever it is, people need to make sure, leaders need to make sure that they are renewed and that they're recharged, that they encourage, you know, the same for their team. Uh, And I would also say that, you know, there's no one man show. Like everything is about the team. Everything is about that village. Everything is about the community. So get the help you need in terms of assistance with some of the the many tasks, you know, delegate well, uh, get people to run some of the errands that would have you going in, in different directions. I have to have people help pick up the kids sometimes. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it means ordering meals instead of, instead of cooking it mm-hmm. and not bad about that. So we just have to like spread the wealth in terms of the amount of work and also take care of yourself and, and mental health, prioritizing your mental health and what it needs to keep, uh, to keep you sharp is super important. Perfect. Utilize that village. (laughs) Um, So Science has evolved and created one of our greatest protections against COVID-19, which is the vaccine. Getting the vaccine gives individuals a much greater chance of staying out of the hospital or becoming a fatality to this disease. Can you tell us where we are now in terms of triaging the virus? And with colder months approaching, what are the importance of boosters, flu shots, and staying on top of immunizations in general? Yeah, so... We know how important immunizations are um, with respect to COVID. I mean, today is the beginning of December 2021. And go back an entire year, 
we had no vaccines in the state of Illinois. Not one person had been vaccinated with not even one shot, not to talk of two or three. So we're in a fantastic position now, mm -hmm. uh, but the vaccines only work when people actually get vaccinated. You have to roll up, roll up that sleeve and, and take the shot. It works and it absolutely has kept people um, from going into the hospital and from dying. Uh, the truth is that the vaccine uh, is, a, is a great uh, protection, as you mentioned, uh, mm -hmm. but we all know that the virus is still here actively working to find people who, who are not protected. And so as we have moved indoors and it's not summertime anymore, it's not the fall, it's, you know, colder temperatures, we move indoors when we don't move our mask with us, that is the virus's like just heyday. That's their ideal situation where they can, you know, the virus can circulate around the room trying to find unvaccinated people to, to make ill. And so as we move indoors, you know, what are some of the things that we can do? We obviously have to uh, try to open windows. We have to use our masks uh, and obviously get vaccinated is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. um, we have that over time, uh, there is some waning immunity and, and that's not that's not a new concept. That's something that we understand. Um, and then, so that's where the boosters come in. And so if it's been more than six months from one of the mRNA vaccines or two months since J&J, &J, we just need to get that booster to, to level up our protection as we're moving indoors and as we know that the virus will be even more aggressive in these smaller, tight places where it has a lot of room, you know, to play to play around in. So we we also know that somehow, you know, our immune systems even must like the summertime because we get lots of these respiratory viruses during the winter. So we're seeing just in the last couple of weeks that the flu is is coming. The flu virus mm -hmm. is here. We've seen uh, more visits to the ED and really just the last two to three weeks. So we just want to do all that we can to protect ourselves from the from the cold, from flu virus, the other cold viruses, and COVID. So it's vitally important that everyone over the age of five be fully vaccinated and then boosted as well. Perfect. And you mentioned, I'm glad that you mentioned the youngsters now because as a mother and as a pediatrician, because this has been going around, even some conversations that I've heard, what can you tell parents that are hesitant and nervous now to get their children vaccinated. Yeah, I think I think it might be helpful for people to realize that there's probably no other vaccines for any disease that has gotten as many people vaccinated as this. I mean, we're talking mm -hmm. billions Billions of people have been vaccinated around the world against COVID. So we have tons of experience, tons of information to, to certify the safety of these life-saving interventions. You know, and I think uh, understanding how vaccines work and looking, just looking at how we have uh, really made a difference and how 90% of the people in the hospital today in Illinois uh, are people who are unvaccinated. So it really speaks to uh, the effectiveness of this vaccine. And even, you know, children have been getting vaccines since like day one of their hospitalization. <laughs> you can get the hospital uh, without getting that first hepatitis B vaccine. Mm -hmm. And then there's 
visit after visit. There's the, you know, six week to two month visit, four or six. Now you're constantly getting shots because we know that children have less developed immune systems than adults. Uh, and so they need all the protection they can get to prevent these illnesses because they can't fight off things as well as adults with fully functioning immune systems can. And then, of course, as you get older, then our immune system, you know, starts to not be as strong. But so we absolutely need vaccines. I think about polio. Uh, I've been a pediatrician for over 20 years. I've never treated a child with polio. That's completely because of vaccines. You know, I actually haven't even treated a kid with measles. Uh, never uh, seen measles because uh, for the most part, people are fully vaccinated uh, with their measles vaccine. So vaccinating our children, that's nothing new. Uh, we have a new disease, so we have a new vaccine and that's what it'll take to keep uh, everyone safe and slow the transmission and, and get back to all the things and absolutely stop missing days of school from, from quarantining and isolation. Uh, this is the ticket to normalcy. And so we need everyone over the age of five to take advantage as soon as possible. Absolutely. And you mentioned that, um, you know, these vaccines have been around for a long time. Just as a quick aside, uh, to, to some of the parents that are nervous that, oh, it's, it's, it's happened so quickly, these vaccines go through very stringent testing, correct? They're, they're tested and they're, and they're certified before they're even allowed to, to, for children to get this vaccine, correct? Yeah, so we, we knew that the technology for the mRNA vaccines uh, went back almost 20 years. And so wow. that science, that technology was there uh, of how to use mRNA technology to make a vaccine. And so once we actually had the virus, then it was a matter of figuring out, you know, the genetic code and swapping that piece into the vaccine. Uh, and that's why this is a very exciting type of technology because, you know, we know now that you can make a vaccine much quicker, just as we uh, saw now. So we don't have to always think that it takes five years, you know, to make a vaccine. So again, even if you thought that, oh my gosh, how did it come out uh, in, you know, less than a year, We've also had a whole nother year. You know, I think the first vaccines were administered uh, in Illinois, I think December 17th. Mm -hmm. But the, the trials have had it since July uh, of 2020. So we're really talking about 18 months of, of, of you know, knowledge and experience with this vaccine. So if we were going to have people grow, you know, extra heads and extra arms, we, you know, we would have seen it. <laughs> I don't want people to miss out on something. Meanwhile, you know, we have dozens of people dying of COVID every day in the state of Illinois. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, to note here. So in March of 2021, there was an announcement that participating health plans, since we're the Illinois Life and Health Insurance Council, they've supported and assisted with the Vaccine Community Connectors Program. And for our listeners, that's a program that leverages health plans to reduce vaccination disparities with a focus on the most vulnerable communities by helping provide vaccine outreach, scheduling, and transportation. Doctor, do you see any areas where there are additional opportunities for uh, public-private partnerships? And if so, what can insurance companies do and assist in increasing these vaccination rates? 
Yeah, no, they have a, a huge role and it's obviously in their best interest for their patients uh, and their clients to, to be protected and not end up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, hospitalizations associated with COVID can, can be prolonged. It involves sometimes the ICU using ventilators, uh, very, you know, expensive hospitalizations, which are almost entirely preventable with the vaccine. So there is huge opportunity for partnership and collaboration. And we have many programs that have helped us make uh, inroads into vulnerable communities. People can go through their rosters and figure out communities where there are high COVID rates or where there have been high rates of hospitalization and target those people, have people reach out and call and make sure that they are invited to get the vaccine or that they're directed to locations very near them where the insurance company can sponsor an event where they you know, encourage their, their members to come and get vaccinated. We've worked with all kinds of partners, insurance companies, uh, we've worked with faith-based organizations, community-based organizations, sports coaches to help get their athletes vaccinated. So everybody is a partner in this pandemic and in ending it. And so it's been great to really see uh, how much we can do when we work together. So insurance companies and everyone else, uh, we're looking to find a way to get more people vaccinated. I know 70% are about 60% of the total state is uh, vaccinated, but there's still a lot, a lot more uh, to go. Absolutely. We look forward to working with, with your team as well. And I guess, and this might be hard to answer, um, Dr. Zika, where do you see the state post-COVID? And I, I guess, what are some lessons we can take with us into the future? Well, I I know that everyone has kind of figured out that an epidemiologist is not a skin doctor. I know (laughs) lots about public health. We've learned, you know, everybody's become an armchair, you know, epidemiologist. Uh, I I hope that people have at least grown to understand a part of what public health does. And this is, you know, what they've seen with COVID is just one piece, but hoping that that has spurred people to learn more about public health and maybe inspired people to look at public health as a potential career option uh, Mm -hmm. for themselves. We absolutely need more public health uh, professionals. Uh, And I really hope that going forward, um, we can spend, you know, really invest some important time on educating people away from the political partisanship, really educating people on what vaccines are, what they do, the importance, because we don't ever want to see a situation where a life-saving tool is being handed out to people for free and people refuse it and ultimately in many cases have died uh, when something that could have prevented that untimely death was, was freely and readily available. So we absolutely have a lot of work to do uh, in terms of our post-COVID world. We're still, we're doing some of that work now, but that is gonna be something very critical because unfortunately, whenever we're quote post COVID and, you know, we might get to a state where we just kind of coexist with COVID, but Mm -hmm. um, get past this, there's going to be some other infection that we're going to have to deal with. And we just want to protect everyone's health by making sure people make good decisions to help themselves instead of hurt them. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I, I, I could talk to you all day, Dr. Ziga, but I'm pretty sure you're one of the busiest people in Illinois. So do you have any final remarks for us today? Yeah, I know. I just want to say that we have this great tool. I know you've mentioned it. We've been talking about this great tool that we have. And we didn't get to mention, I want to mention like a second great tool that we have, monoclonal antibodies. And I don't think this is getting enough press and it's super important because for the people who have decided for whatever reason that, look, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to get vaccinated. You know, the virus is still here and looking and waiting to infect those unvaccinated people and potentially make them very ill. With monoclonal antibodies, you can get either an infusion into your a vein or shots into your, you know, into your skin that can help you fight off the infection if you actually get infected. So if you get it early enough before you get very sick, before you end up in the hospital, this uh, monoclonal antibody can potentially save save lives, uh, especially for those who are not vaccinated, who have no protection. So I want people to look out for where they can get these monoclonal antibodies. And I, to be able to know that you actually have COVID, that means you have to get tested. So, you know, respecting everyone's decision and their journey to maybe get vaccinated or vaccinated later or not get vaccinated at all, at least be testing, look mm-hmm. out, Pay attention if you develop new symptoms so that you can take advantage of monoclonal antibody, another important tool that can keep people out of the hospital. So uh, we have a lot of different strategies. There's masking, there's vaccination, there's boosterization, as I like to call it. And there are monoclonal antibodies as well. We absolutely have tools to fight this disease. We got to use what we've got and keep listening to trusted sources for your medical information all in. <laughs> so you've mentioned a lot of different ways that that people can mask and that people that can prepare themselves and arm themselves against this. Where um, if, if people have questions or if people want to look at your website, where can where can individuals go to find more information? So absolutely, we have different uh, social media channels at the Illinois Department of Public Health, IDPH. Uh, we have uh, our IDPH uh, website. We have an Instagram page at IDPH. We have Twitter account at Illinois DPH. So just go to dph.illinois.gov. They have links to our social media, but lots of great information. Another great source is CDC, cdc.gov. Uh, and I think that uh, you probably have information on your website that could be helpful uh, as well. Yes, absolutely. And for all of these links, listeners, I will make sure to put those in the show notes. So you have all the social media accounts. There's really no excuse to not get the information you need. IDPH hasn't. So um, for ILIC, remember to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at IL underscore LHIC. In order to stay up to date on all things life and health insurance, also make sure to subscribe to this podcast. The council covers it so you don't miss an incredible episode like this one. Lastly, check out our website at www.illic.com. Dr. Azike, it has been an honor. Um, I have tried my best to maintain composure of how excited I am to talk to you today. And I just want to thank you once again for the leadership that you're providing our state in a very uncertain, um, 
uncertain and unpredictable time. Uh, with vaccinations, we are going toward the light and we just have to keep going. We do. Thank you so much. And a big thanks to my great team at IDPH and all of our partners all throughout the state and just wishing everyone a, a happy and safe holiday season. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Council Covers It. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to subscribe and rate the podcast in order to stay up to date on episodes as we explore various life and health insurance policies and topics in Illinois. We hope you join us again on The Council Covers It. Thank you.